How's everybody doing this morning? Did you uh, have a good Thanksgiving? Did you eat too much? All right, that's called gluttony. Um, so <laughs> that's what we're going to be preaching on this morning, so I'm just, I'm just playing. As every good church all across America, gluttony is one of those things I'll stay away from. Um, but <laughs> uh, So you guys probably had a great, great Thanksgiving, ate a lot, which brings us to New Year's that's coming up, which we're going to be fasting, so that's going to be a good time for you there. So um, it's great, good to be with you guys this morning, got, got a lot in store for you, so before we, jump, uh, before we do anything, let's jump into God's Word, and uh, there's something I do at my church, and, uh, and I'd appreciate it if you just help me out here. Would you mind standing to your feet for the reading of God's Word? Honor to God's Word. We're going to be reading from a passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Uh, it is a, a, a larger portion of Scripture, but there's, there's a narrative that takes place, and I want you to see uh, perhaps your story in, in this story this morning. So Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 46, and it's, it says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, then they, uh, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd, everybody say a large crowd. A large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus heard him. He stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, Cheer up. They said, Come on, he's calling you. This is funny. It's the same guys. Anyway, so um, verse 50. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want from me? Uh, what, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Father, we thank you so much for your word. This morning as we bow our hearts to receive all that you have in store for us. We ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. May we not forget, God, the good, gracious gifts that you have given to us. May we never take them for granted. During this time of thanksgiving, may we truly be a thankful and grateful people for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. Church on the move, what's up? <laughs> Man, it's so good to be here. You know, um, you guys got a wonderful pastor, Pastor Marvin and Miss Patty, all that they do around here. Give them a hand clap, man. They're 21 years, 21 years of ministry and service to Tyler, Texas, going on 22 years in September. That's a pretty remarkable milestone right there, ladies and gentlemen. And I truly believe that God is doing some great things here and so excited for the future, so excited about the things that as Pastor Marvin shares with me and, and we talk, we do talk on a regular basis, uh, as he shares with me some of the things that, that are in store for Church on the Move, man, it is exciting to see what God has done and what he is doing around here. And man, to the serve team around here, the, you call dream teams, what you guys call dream team around here, man, you guys are off the chain. I'm telling you what, man, from the moment we walked in the door, greeted by, uh, who, who's the, is he in here? The greeter that handed me, man, good job. Give him a hand clap, buddy. Right there on the spot, man, got me the bulletin. I, I, felt, I, was, telling, I was telling Dan, who's running around, asked me, do you want, you want cold water or warm water or room temperature water? I'm like, Dan, chill, man, what's up? <laughs> so, but I was like, he, he, uh, he handed me the bulletin. He said, do you, did you really need the bulletin? And I said, I said, I don't, but he was so nice, I couldn't, I couldn't refuse, to, but taking it from him. So <laughs> I appreciate all the serve team does around here, man, or the dream team, man. You guys are doing a bang-up job around here. 
21 years of in, in, in existence, man. What an awesome time. Well, we are going to be concluding this series on, uh, on being rich in what matters most. And um, I, I just want to start with the thought that uh, sometimes, I don't know about you, but uh, how many of you are, ever have gone through struggles? Anyone here ever gone through struggles? Okay, now, I, you know, when you first get saved, I don't know about you, when I first got saved, I thought that everything just was kind of like peaches and cream, lollipops and gumdrops from the moment you got saved. I thought you said yes to Jesus, and then everything opened up to you, and it was all just... just Perfect, like like wings were going to sprout in a couple of years, a halo was going to grow, I was going to float down aisles, oh, you know, I don't know, that's what angels sound like in my head, but when, <laughs> I thought things were going to be just, just, just perfect, nothing missing, nothing broken, it's going to be perfect, but then I come to find that, that yes, God has this perfect thing for me, and yes, there, are, there is nothing missing, nothing broken in my life, but that doesn't mean that struggles aren't going to come. Now, here's one of the things that happens. And it's true for you, and I don't even have to give a poll for this because I know every single one of you, whether you admit it or not, what happens often is that when struggles come, we tend to forget what matters most. See, when struggles come, when, when, the, when the problem comes, what ends up happening more often than not, we fix our sight on the problem and we forget the blessings that are all around us. We fix our sight on the thing that's directly in front of us, the thing that, that, is, that is killing us, the thing that is hitting us, the thing that we think is going to take us down. We're so fixed on that thing that we forget that there are things, there are blessings all around us. What matters most is with us. So, maybe you're struggling this morning. Maybe you're going through a rough time. Maybe you're going through a, a, a very difficult season of your life today. What I love about the story that we just read is that this blind man, this blind beggar, teaches us some lessons during difficult seasons of our life. And let me make a, a, a promise to you this morning. And this is a promise. You'll love this promise. The one promise I can make for, with clarity, and I know that this will be true 100% of the time. Okay? Uh, so are you ready for this? It's beautiful. You, you come to church this morning. You got up on a Sunday morning to come to church to hear this, and you're going to think to yourself, really? That's, that, that's the promise he makes? Here's the promise I make to you. You're either going through a struggle right now, you will be going through a struggle here pretty soon, or, you'll be, or you're just coming out of a struggle at this very moment. So that's the promise. Some of you are like, that's so assuring to me that I'm going to go through a struggle in my life as long as you live in this life. In fact, the very words of Jesus, as long as you're here. Man, there's going to be moments of struggle. But there are some promises, some, some, some things that could take place in your life if you make a commitment. There's some things that can take place in your life that you can break through on the other side of the difficult seasons of life and you could walk through, you can walk through with your head held high. You know, one of the things that, that I love, how many of you know the, the, the psalm, Psalm 23? I'm going to come back to that here in a moment, Psalm 23. But one of the things that I love about this psalm, the psalm, the psalm says, and, and you know this part, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know why people conclude in their life that they got to set up, set up camp or build a, uh, you know, build a, a house, a condo in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. 
But there are so many people I know that they get to the valley of the shadow of death and they think to themselves, this is where I'm going to die. And if you've lived life long enough, perhaps you have said these words, these words have come out of your mouth, this is it, this is it, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And somehow you get through it and you, you have the, this, this, uh, this tendency to forget that you made it through some things in your life only to face another problem, to, go, to come back to the same point and be like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You cut through it before, you're going to get through it again. You're going through, notice through, not resting in or staying at or camping in or buying a house or buying a plot of land. You're going through some things. And so this morning we're going to look at, at four lessons we can learn, four commitments we need to make during a difficult season. These are four, diff, uh, four lessons we need to make during a, dif, uh, during a difficult season. So here we are. Um, point number one, if you're taking notes, it's in, in your notes this morning. Um, commitment number one is I will not wait. Commitment number one, I will not wait. I will not wait. Don't wait for perfect conditions to pursue Jesus. I want you to notice something about this guy, and I had you, I had you repeat it out loud. A, a large crowd. A large crowd. In the middle of a large crowd, this man starts yelling out for Jesus. In the middle of a large crowd. Now, the odds of him getting to Jesus in a large crowd was slim. The odds of him getting, uh, getting to Jesus, this wasn't the perfect condition. The perfect condition would probably be, you know, right when Jesus gets done and he would sit alone with Jesus and, and maybe somebody could take him in a private meeting with Jesus or, or perhaps call Jesus on the phone or Facebook him or something like that to get a hold of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to have a private me- a meeting with you to talk about my condition. This was not the perfect situation. This is in the middle of a large crowd of people. A large crowd of people who are all around him. Which brings me to this point. There's no wrong time to call out to Jesus for help. I can't tell you the number of people I've met through the years that have, that, that have convinced themselves that there needs to be certain conditions in their life before they surrender their life to Jesus. I get, it, it, for it, man, I tell you what, when, when, I get my, when, when things start getting good, when, when, when times get good, then, then, then I'll, get, I'll get my life right. When I get my life together, when, it start, when my life starts getting together, then I'll, I'll surrender my heart to Jesus. Or the things that I've heard people say before, you know, uh, things like, well, you know, I, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know the right words. Because somewhere they've convinced themselves that Jesus speaks King James language and they don't know how to thee and thou him. Yea, thou thee my God, thou theest thy say unto yea. No, okay, come on. Or, or you come to church, you know what? I'll surrender when, when they sing the right song. When that right song comes on, that, 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 that's when the, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let it go at that right song. Listen to me. Stop waiting for the perfect time and call out to Jesus. You're going to through a difficult time, you're, 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 facing a rough situation, 
Don't wait. Call on him first. I don't, it, it, it's so odd to me the things that you, can, let me repeat some of the things that you may have heard before. And, and just see how silly it sounds. It, imagine for a moment you're God, okay? Imagine for a moment you are God, creator of the entire universe. You looked into the void of nothingness and said, let there be, and boom, everything happened the way you said it should happen. You're God. Imagine hearing your creation say these words when they're going through a difficult time. You see your creation, they're going through a difficult time. They've done everything they can in their own strength, and their own power, and then they say these words. I guess all I can do now is pray. Wait a minute. All you can do now is call on the one who looked into nothing and said, let there be and there was, the creator of the entire universe, the the strength and the power who holds the universe together by the power of his word. That's the only thing you can do now? Perhaps you should have done that to begin with. (laughs) Like maybe that should have been your first step. But sometimes we say to ourselves, I could do this myself. I got this. And we try and we struggle and we try and we struggle and we watch as the world around us be- begins to collapse and then we get to the point where there's, there's nothing else and we cry out to Jesus and let me tell you, you don't have to wait to that moment. You can do it now. Which brings me to the second point. First one is, you know, don't wait. But here's the other thing is a commitment we need to make is I, I will not want the psalmist in psalm 23 says i shall not want you got to concentrate on what you have sometimes we get to the place in our life where we we're just if i have this then i'll i'll do this we're, we're, we can be a very reactive people oh come on guys we can be real reactive I tell you what, I tell you why I cussed her out. I cussed her out because she did this. Well, hold on a second. That's reaction. <laughs> I tell you, and it's, see, it's this, the same attitude that leads us to a place when, well, when I have money, then I'll be happy. When I have this, then I will be this. We're living on a conditional basis. We need to get to the place where we're at a place where. I, I don't have want. I want to talk to you a little bit. And to introduce her to you, I need to talk a little bit about the, the condition. We do a lot um, on the mission field. Love, we love going and doing foreign missions. We do a lot of local missions in our church, a lot of national missions, but love doing foreign missions. Um, this year we will be in, um, in three nations, Ukraine, um, the Philippines and uh, in Kenya, and uh, been doing been doing those uh, mission trips now for for a number of years. Been in Kenya for about nine years. Um, I think it was about eight years ago. Um, I met a lady, and to talk about it, first I need to introduce you to the to the conditions in in which uh, in which she lives in. I shared this with my church last weekend. Um, such a powerful uh, place. And one of the things we, we do is, we, um, is I'll take people to a place that we, uh, that we call the dump. It's a village in, um, in, right outside of the city of Nakuru in Kenya. 
As we, we head out to the dump, we're gonna, you'll see it, you'll actually smell it before we get there. Now, I wish I could explain to you, um, I'm going to show you some pictures here in a moment, but I wish I could, I wish I, I could bring you to the, the conditions that I'm trying to describe, but there, there's no way to fully describe the conditions. In fact, anybody I've ever taken there um, has looked at me and said, I- I've heard you talk about this place, but until you're here, until you stand here, you, you never fully grasp the, the, the conditions. You begin to, to smell uh, just the most god-awful stench that you'd ever smell in your life, and it's going to get worse and worse and, and as we approach the dump. We're going to pull off onto this dirt road, which is the name of the, of the dirt road is Living Waters Church Road. It's the name of our church back in Pennsylvania. We took out clean water several years ago um, because people were dying of waterborne diseases, and we had to build a, um, a, uh, a road out to, uh, out to bring out the equipment to, uh, to dig this well. And, and so they named the church Living Waters Church Road, which is kind of funny to us whenever I take a group there because they see Living, Charter, Living Waters Church Road, and it's heading up into a dump. <laughs> and so we'll pull onto this road. We'll get about halfway up the hill, and a bus isn't going to be able to make it all the way up the hill. And you'll see conditions. Can we show this, this slide here? This is the dump. This is the, like as you, as you approach. This is right as we enter into the dump. Now, what you're going to see, and you don't see it in this picture, as, as we head through, you're going to see little faces that are going to be popping up out of the garbage. Occasionally, you will see um, you'll see a pig, and I, it's I don't know what the I, I, I call them pterodactyls. I don't know what in the world these birds are. They stand about this tall, okay, and they they look somewhere like a cross between a buzzard and and a, and a seagull. They're the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life, and and you'll have pigs and those pterodactyls and children fighting over food. We were there one time, and one of the ladies, she started, she kind of let out a scream because she saw as, as the pig snatched something out of a kid's hand and was dragging him, and the kid was not letting, the, letting it go. Not only will they search for food here, but they'll also dig through the, uh, through the dump, and they will find um, um, things that they can refurbish and sell. Um, one of the things that they sell um, is, and I should have brought, I, I buy them all the time, they, they make purses out of trash bags. So they'll weave, to, they'll pull the, the plastic trash bags out and they'll weave it together and they'll make purses and, and jewelry out, even out of trash bags. As you head over the hill, uh, what you'll find is you'll find a village out in the middle of this dump. Little huts. I, I would show it in the picture, but you wouldn't be able to tell it from the trash. You would just be confused. What, what, am, what am I looking at here? But you'll see these little huts, and it really just looks like trash mounds, but there's people that live in them. And out will pop. Can we show the next, next slide? Out will come out is Mama Lucy. That's Mama Lucy there. Let me tell you something about Mama Lucy. I met Mama Lucy about eight years ago. Mama Lucy's been in this dump for I don't even know how many Years and years and years grew up there. Several years ago, Mama Lucy, there was a missionary that came through, and he um, he wanted to help her out, and so he bought her a a large home, a home by conditions we live in would be a large home, a very very nice home. Um, he bought her a, a a home, gave her a retirement, set her up for life. Mama Lucy never, from that point forward, would never have to work another day in her life. 
Everything was provided for, home and finances. I come out a couple of years, uh, years ago, and, and there stands Mama Lucy. I said, Mama, what are you doing out here? thought you retired. Mama Lucy lived in that house for a couple of weeks. She said, I can't live here knowing that my people are suffering. She gave her home to the poor, surrendered her pension to those in need, and moved herself back out to the dump. Mama Lucy lives in these conditions. I said, Mom, why did you do that? She said she left, and when she left, she came back to visit. People were fighting, hurting each other, lost the sense of God. She saw, within a couple of weeks, she saw children who were just running wild, not going to school, and she said, I cannot sleep at night knowing this exists. She goes back in to bring God, the glory of God, back to the village and to build schools to teach kids. Something happened um, this last time I was visiting. Mom, I tell you what, Mama Lucy, she's, she's, always, she's always like uh, on it. Like I always get her to talk to, the, to our team because she has such a powerful testimony. This time when we, I had her talk, man, she was on fire. This time when she spoke, she, she jumped up and she, we had a lot of humanity, we take in a lot of humanitarian aid. She had a lot of, we had a, a, you know, stacks of humanitarian aid in, in this makeshift schoolroom that she, she had just very proud of her schoolroom, but it was a, uh, just a, you know, a, a tin building. And she's, uh, we have the humanitarian aid stand, uh, sitting there and she begins to walk around and, and she starts, she starts putting her hand on the humanitarian aid and she says, I thank God for this. I thank God for the school books that you've sent. I thank God for the food that you've sent. I thank God for the medication that you've sent. Please, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I thank God for this. She said, but more than this, more than this, we need your prayers. Because we lack no good thing when God is with us. It's one thing to hear somebody who has everything tell you they don't need anything. It's another thing to hear someone who has nothing who tells you they don't need anything. Mama Lucy has nothing. These are people who have nothing. And they say, we lack nothing. Mama Lucy always has me pray for her, but this time, can you put up the next slide? I said, no, Mama, you're praying for me this time. (laughs) Because that heart, that heart, I want it in me. I want to learn what it means to live out the Philippians passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. You see, Philippians chapter 4. 
Let me test your memory verse skills here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Does anybody know Philippians 4, 13? All right. Let's, uh, let me, I'll say it once and then we can all say it together. Um, and then you'll know it as soon as, as soon as I begin to say it here. Philippians 4, 13. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's say it together. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't we love that verse? Oh, man, we love that verse. We have T-shirts with the verse. We have bumper stickers with that verse. We have hats with that verse. You have Bible covers with that verse. I mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But let us read the verse within its context. Because it's easy to isolate a verse outside of its context and you miss the depth of the verse. But to read a verse within the context in which the verse is written, it brings great clarity. Because Philippians 4.13 comes on the back side of a very powerful statement that Paul makes. Verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret Hold on a second, guys. You know how many times I hear this? How often I hear this, this question asked? Man, pastor, I just wish we would go deep into the word. I want to go deep. Let me go deep. <laughs> I give you this. I want to know the secrets of the Bible. Okay, let's chill. <laughs> There's not a lot of secrets in there. It's written. <laughs> But Paul is about to tell you a secret. You want to know the secret? Man, I just wish I knew the secret to life. Here it is. Here it is. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty or with empty, with plenty or with little. And now here comes your verse you love so much. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret to being content. The secret to to living a life where you say, I don't want for anything. I have everything I need. The secret is the understanding that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the understanding that wherever you find yourself right now, whatever condition you find yourself in, whatever situation life is throwing your way, God will supply everything you need to be successful in that season. You lack nothing to succeed in this life. It's not a matter of when I get this, then my life will get better. No, my life is great and I don't care if I have a lot or if I have a little. Right now, life is great. God has given me everything I need to succeed. Look at the time. All right. I think some people have a difficult, uh, uh, never see Jesus in difficult times because they're so focused on their weakness. They're so focused on what they don't have versus the strengths that they do have. I don't have this. And I tell you what, this blind man could have been feeling sorry for himself. He could have whined and cried and stayed blind and poor the rest of his life. 
but he didn't. The key to understanding this comes in, in, in just a couple of words. It says in verse 47, notice the key words here. When Bartimaeus heard, everybody say heard. heard. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was, was nearby, he began to shout. Everybody say shout. shout. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard, he began to shout. He heard and he shout. Now, here's the, here's the, the key to this. He, he could not see. But what did he have? The ability to listen. And he could have complained about the fact that he couldn't see. But he used what he had. And I may not be able to see. But I heard that there is a Messiah. And I heard that he's come. And I heard that he has healing. And I may not be able to see. But I'm going to listen. I'm going to use what I have. I may not be able to see, but buddy, I can shout. I may not be able to get to him, but I can shout and get him to me. You lack nothing to accomplish what God has called you to do. Use what you have. But but pastor, you don't understand. It's not the greatest. it, It may not be the best. But use what you have. It's the understanding that when you're faithful with the little, he'll bless you with the much. Let me give you the, the next thing we learned from this blind beggar. And that is the understanding that I will, our commitment, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will not quit. Don't be swayed by public opinion. Notice what happens to this guy. He, he starts shouting, and immediately people start yelling at him, be quiet, all right? In the Greek, they're literally saying, shut up, all right? Be quiet. People, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. That takes some guts right there, buddy. You got a lot of people, he's, he's shouting, a lot of people are yelling at him, shut up, and he, what does he do? Oh yeah? Hey Jesus! I mean, he just gets louder. <laughs> I'm going to tell you sometimes, to get to Jesus, you got to move some people out of your way. Sometimes to complete and accomplish what God has called you to do, it means moving some people out of your, excuse me, I got to get to Jesus. <laughs> In your life, you can, you can rest assured, the moment you set out to do whatever God has called you to do, you're going to find that there's going to be uh, three types of people that are going to come your way. Three types of people you're going to have to overcome. The first one is faith vampires. <laughs> A faith vampire. Let me tell you what a faith vampire is. It's somebody who comes to suck the faith right out of you. (laughs) Do you really think it's going to get any better? I got this thing I'm I'm, I'm fighting right now. Yeah. Have you ever heard heard this, you know? You get a diagnosis. Man, I got this thing that the doctor diagnosed me. Yeah, I had an aunt that died of that. That really builds my faith. I appreciate our friendship. (laughs) Thanks, sir. Thanks for sharing that with me. Think about putting my dog down tomorrow. You got anything you'd like to cheer me up with that? Huh? You have faith vampires. You got faith intimidators. 
Because people look at you and it's, stop, stop this stuff. Come on. It's time to get real. Right? It was cute in the beginning, but it's time to get real. And those could be followed by the faith mockers. People who just mock you for believing. Which, I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to call you to do a lot of things that are going to sound absolutely crazy when you get going. Imagine being David. Hey, David, go win the battle for all of Israel. What do you get? Uh, here's, a, here's a rock. Just in case he was complaining, God, I can't beat him with a rock. I gave you a slingshot too, all right? What's the, what's the big deal? <laughs> hey, Mo, go fight the most powerful man in, in, in all of the known world. Okay, God, what do I got to go fight him with? Here's a stick. Thanks, God. What am I supposed to do with this? Throw it down. It becomes a snake. Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> God's going to call you to do a lot of things. And you're, the things he's going to give you to go do what he's called you to accomplish, you're going to look at it and go, really? Um, I'm supposed to go and do this, and I have a, I have a rock. <laughs> All right, go start that business, Vitcher. Here's a dollar. <laughs> Great. Because a lot of banks are going to give me a loan for a dollar. <laughs> and have faith mockers. But listen to me. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because I promise you this, Jesus hears the cries of desperate people. This man cries out to Jesus. He cries out. It's funny to me because when, when Jesus heard him, it says he heard him, he stopped, and he said, come here. Jesus hears your cries. And he'll stop everything and call you near. And it amazes me because the, the scripture goes on. It says, and the people around him, the, the people around him, they call They say, hey, man, cheer up. These are the same people that are just telling him to shut up. Now, like, hey, buddy, Jesus is here. Come on over. It, you know, like, if I wasn't blind, I'd hit you. <laughs> I, could, I, just, I could see where your nose is. I'd put it in the back of your head. Like, this is just. Verse 50, it catches something that, that, that's really interesting to me. And I wish I had some time to, to open up this, but this would just be a message all by itself. But what you see happen in verse 50 is the scripture says that Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and he jumped up and he came at Jesus. I want, you to, I want to tell you something about this blind beggar. That coat was probably the most expensive thing he owned. His outer garment was all he had. Which is just a side note, guys. Sometimes when we come to Jesus, we got to strip aside. We got to strip aside that outward appearance. Because you can be fake around a lot of people. You come to church this morning and say, well, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, looking at everybody, how you doing? Oh, praise God, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. But you can't pull that with Jesus when he knows the real you and with the struggles that you're going through. And sometimes you've got to get past the fakeness with Jesus and you've got to come to him just like this man. And, and, and Jesus said, what do you want? And he says, I want to see. He gets real with him. Don't be swayed. Don't quit. Let me bring you to the last point. I'm going to wrap this up this morning. This is so important. 
This is the, third, the fourth commandment. I will not forget. I will not forget. The Bible says that the man, he jumped up in verse 52. It says instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. You got to follow Jesus when times, times turn good. I'll make you another promise this morning. You're going to get through whatever, whatever terrible situation you may face. You're going to get through it. But don't forget the Jesus who brought you through on the other end. Sometimes we have praise amnesia. We for, uh, hashtag, I need to trademark that phrase actually. Um, <laughs> we have praise amnesia. We forget to praise him when things get going good. September 11th, 2001 hit. Do you remember where you were at? Third grade, third, third grade, third grade, second grade. The first row, you need to go to the back. <laughs> and you talk to the grown-ups. <laughs> I was in the nursery. <laughs> Do you remember what day that was on? That was a Tuesday. I remember it clearly because September 12th was a Wednesday. Let me tell you what happened on September 12th. September 12th. This was, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, no, it's not really not that great a place to be. Um, somebody, somebody said, woo! I was like, and we moved. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that during that time churches uh, Wednesday evening church man there was no place to even park I remember I was going to a very large church there in Oklahoma and, and there, there was standing room only in the church I remember watching on the television program as members of the house and the senate stood on Capitol Hill, both sides of the aisle and everything in between. They stood on Capitol Hill and they said, we need to pray for this nation. They locked hands and began to cry out to Jesus. I didn't hear any smack talk about separation of church and state. Didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. Let me tell you what, when, we, when it gets tough, we know what to do. But when God blesses, we tend to get amnesia. Let's not forget when he brings us through something that we keep following him down the road. Not forget that we serve him during, when times are good, when times are bad. We serve him. We don't stop. We don't forget. This blind man understood a very important lesson. The most important thing wasn't getting his life back. The most important thing wasn't getting his sight. The most important thing wasn't getting out of the poverty that he was in. The most important thing was pursuing Jesus. That was the most important thing. 
And what matters most in our life, what matters most is our pursuit of Jesus. That's what matters most in our life. Not not the possessions that we have, the house that we live in, the car that we drive, the job that you have, the pursuit of Jesus. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your time.